0: All right, I swear to g- I'm I'm okay. I know I feel like we're both <laughs> we're both a little punchy tonight. <laughs> I am a little bit punchy in my uh, recap, so great. There's just a decent amount of sass I'm sometimes. ready.
1: Hello, everyone,
0: and welcome to Two White Girls Talk Bollywood. I'm Kim. And I'm Katie, and we're here to talk about singing and dancing and Bollywood boys.
1: I almost changed it to Welcome to Two White Girls Talk Boggy.
0: <gasps> I love it. Okay, if you ever want to have like a side podcast where all we do is <laughs> talk, talk about, about the Boggy. Boggy franchise, I am here for it. We can just for really reasons. dissect every moment, Yeah, yeah. I'm already going to do that this week. <laughs> yeah. Because we are speaking about Boggy 2. We are. Which is my favorite Boggy.
1: I, it's a good one. It's a real solid Boggy here, I must say. <laughs> it's so much darker than the other two. Yeah. Which, that's kind of your thing. You like a little bit of darkness, <laughs> so... I do, I do. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I did think it was funny, though, because... I watched this shortly after having edited our episode on the romantics and Mm. was thinking a lot about what you said and what you have said in the past about thinking you wouldn't like the angry young man era of Bollywood. (laughs) Uh And I got to thinking about it more and I was like, why, why would you think you wouldn't like that? I feel like angry young man is a way that I would describe so much of the media that you enjoy.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> you are very correct. <laughs> I never thought about it before, but it's because I like um like I like an antihero. Yeah. Which is an angry young man. Yeah, Ronnie in this, he's an angry young man. He really is an angry young man. A lot of screaming. I guess yeah, I like a man with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Who feels like he has something to prove. Yeah. And doesn't care about like society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Huh. So I think Give you might it. find that
1: the angry young man era is your era.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm in my angry young man era. <laughs> I ought to get you a t-shirt that says that. The funny thing is, though, if you are an angry young man, please, I don't want to interact with you. Right? <laughs> like real world angry young men. Yeah. Not as appealing as fantasy
1: world angry young men.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because I'm safe. They can't hurt me.
1: (laughs) But you know, also, it's like with everything going on in the world, I think we're all a little bit angry young men these days. Just we're all. That is so true. Everyone's got something to feel angry about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Anyway. (laughs) Um, But Boggy 2 was directed by Ahmed Khan Mm -hmm. and stars Tiger Shroff. Yeah. What a surprise. (laughs) It also stars Disha Patani as Neha. I guess I should also specify Tiger Shroff was playing Ronnie. I don't know if I said that. but uh,
1: He's playing Ranveer Singh. Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: I know it, it's a
0: common name, yeah. <laughs> but I can't not think about the Ranveer Singh. Of course. Well, I mean, that's true always anyway, no matter what you're doing in life.
1: I am just thinking about Ranveer Singh. He just pops into my head. It also stars
0: Minaj Bajpayee, who is Cher Mm-hmm. And it stars Randeep Huda mm-hmm. as LSD. Yeah, more on him later. How did it... do I talk? Yeah, <laughs> you go.
1: <laughs> how did it feel for you uh, getting to experience Randeep, like re-experience him for the first time, and now to get to talk about him? Like, how are you feeling?
0: <laughs> I am beyond excited. <laughs> I bet. And I feel like I can't fangirl, and when I can't. Physically fangirl, like I can't like wave my body around in a wacky way. I start to cry. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like that emotion has to come out. It has somehow. to come out somehow. Yeah. So the more I think about how happy I am to be talking about this and how much I love him, mm-hmm. the more I want to cry. Yeah. Well,
1: um, <laughs> we'll try to you know space it out a little bit for
0: you, then so you can hold it together a little bit. I'm just gonna say this. It is his mix of, like, he's kind of aloof. Yeah. And he's, like, really confident. Yeah. Like, LSD, the character. Absolutely, yes. And for some reason, you know, when you have, like, a confident man who also kind of doesn't seem to care about you. <laughs> <laughs> and is also sassy. All of
1: our healthiest <laughs> opinions about men are coming out tonight. <laughs>
0: Obviously, that's not actually what I look for. No, again, this, in, is, in the, this is the there. fantasy
1: of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's that but, it's yeah. that confidence without cockiness. We've talked about it before. We love it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I I was into LSD.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> weren't we all? And also into in Durandipuda just in general. I think he does just have a really good vibe about him.
0: But enough about Ron Deep Although, well, yeah, no. For, no. for just this moment, <laughs> there'll be more. Well, to I was going to say, when can I talk about the fact that he horseback rides? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Not now. I won't bet I'm pretty sure <laughs> that did come up last week. But you that was a good Yeah, but it wasn't, about it enough. Yeah, it you wasn't talk about enough. It wasn't enough. He rides, guys. Like, he rides. He has horses and he rides yeah. and he show jumps them. And that sealed it. I was like, there it is. That's my man right there. Yeah,
1: that's, you know, it's really exciting for you, and I'm all about that. I think it's great to see handsome people who you already liked also being into the things you're into and doing them well. Like, what could possibly beat that?
0: That's so true. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know that that's relevant to anything. (laughs) It's not, but it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, let's do do this. Let's move into the movie. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Boggy 2. Mm-hmm. We open with an edgy instrumental reprise of Get Ready to Fight. Yeah. Which, that gets my blood going. I'm like, ooh. It does get me ready to fight. Mm -hmm. Just kick a bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) Only if they deserve it. Or just fight
1: my own, like, personal demons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yes, metaphysical. (laughs) I like it. But then we see a white car parked. With a woman in it. And these two bad guys put on masks, run up to the car, and drag the lady out of it. Yeah. They then beat her up so badly she falls unconscious and needs to be taken to the hospital. It's rough. Yeah. What a place to start. Mm -hmm. And then, two months later... This woman is praying daily at this temple because she feels alone and, like, no one can help her.
1: She also still has a bruise on her forehead
0: (laughs) two months later. Yeah. And I'm like, if you – that's bad. You should probably get that drained or something because that's, like, a permanent head injury. (laughs) Someone should probably address that. (laughs) Yeah, but it's fine. Also, just to note, this is Neha. But then the scene shifts to a remote snowy scene Mm -hmm. where we see two guys get tossed out of a window. And then a man emerges on his feet. And we start at the man's boots and we pan up to see it's Tiger. Yeah. Slash Ronnie. And he's got the, the short army boy hair, so you know he means business. He does. It's like to watch boggy and then to watch boggy too is to see the transition from a boy to a man sure yeah and anyway after his mission ronnie returns to his tent only to check his voicemail and see that he has a message from a woman named neha mm-hmm. who says that she is calling after four years because she needs his help I also always like when people give us, like, the backstory in their, like,
1: (laughs) messages. Just casual exposition thrown in there.
0: (laughs) It's been four years, but I'm calling you now. (laughs) Anyway, we get a flashback to when they were both in college. And we see Neha and her friend prank call Ronnie. But it's, like, a weird prank call because her friend's really only calling him to tell him that he has nice biceps. Yeah. Ronnie ends up, like, tracking these girls down and sees Neha and sees how gorgeous she is. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's love at first sight. Yep. For him. I think there's some crush in return there, too. (laughs) Sure. He's got a very cute boy smile. Yeah. And then in the next scene, Neha gets dropped off at school by her dad, who mentions kind of offhandedly that he's met a promising man she should meet. Mm. And that is when Ronnie appears sliding across the hood of the car yeah her dad's car (laughs) it is rude it's rude to do that to anyone's car but like especially not the father of the girl you're trying to woo yeah and he then boldly tells neha that he likes her and her dad is like no but ronnie boldly tells him he'll be seeing a lot of him and then he walks away. Yeah. Only for Neha's dad to tell her to stay away from, quote unquote, those types.
1: I don't understand what type this is. Like, yeah, I th- like the nice boy type who compliments women and just like lavishes right. them with love and affection. Yes. Yeah, stay away.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the man she cho- he chooses for her. Yeah. Is Ugh. is very different. Yeah. Yeah and then later Neha finds Ronnie practicing slam ball in the gym (laughs) which I love (laughs) um and she gives him her phone number then tells him not to act desperate now that he has it Uh
1: uh-huh
0: it's a good move that is yeah yeah um and then we get a montage love song that is called Osati but it is cute because we see there's like they talk on the phone and he does this whole smiley face thing at the library yeah
1: i didn't like that and anyone else who's seen the
0: (laughs) horror movie
1: smile also probably would not have liked that
0: (laughs) i have not seen that because horror is not my jam no you wouldn't like this one (laughs) but cute bollywood boys with like smiley faces he's sure. yeah And, like, they work out together, and he throws this whole surprise birthday party for her. And it's super adorable. And I actually really like the music mm-hmm. of this song. Yeah. It's a sweet song. I
1: mm-hmm. particularly like the moment in this montage where she gives her coat to some children that she sees sleeping yeah. on the street, which is very sweet. And then Ronnie, she, like, kind of goes running back to Ronnie, and he opens up his coat and, like, wraps it around her. Uh-huh. Just, just, that was just adorable.
0: Loved that. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that made me happy. That mm-hmm. was like, oh, boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, at the end of the montage, Ronnie tells Neha that he loves her. She then explains that she's scared of love because, like, her mom died. Um, basically, to sum that up. <laughs> and so Ronnie is like, it's cool, forget it. Just know my love is always around you. And no matter what, I'll always be with you. Yeah. And then we flash back to the present, where a hardened Ronnie is arriving in Goa. Mm -hmm. And he meets Neha in a cafe, and it's a very charged meeting after four years apart. And she's not doing great. She's, like, bruised still. Yeah. And pretty jumpy. Like, she jumps when a waiter drops a plate. And when Ronnie asks her if she's married and has any kids, Neha says she has a daughter. Yes. And then she says she needs Ronnie's help. We then get her whole story of how it was her daughter's first day of school and she was dropping her off when the bad guys appeared and beat her, then kidnapped her daughter. And so Neha is like, I need you to help me find my daughter, Rhea. Mm -hmm. But so Ronnie then has an angsty song where he walks alone through the streets of Goa and reminisces about. I walk (laughs) alone. I walk alone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, on the boulevard of broken <laughs> dreams. Yeah. Um, Ronnie then rents a car from a chatty business owner named Uzman. And meets up with Neha again, who gives him a photo of her daughter, Mm Rhea. And she tells him that she's literally talked to every single person around town, including the police, and everyone tells her that they don't know anything. Yeah. And the police say they couldn't find any clues, so they've closed the case, and her husband, Shekar, is too depressed to do anything. So Ronnie's like, okay, I'm gonna go to the police station with you, Let's see if I can use some of my army swag to, you know, force them to do something. Yeah, And the police tell her again that there were no clues and therefore no case. But they're like, we do need you to sign off on there being no case. And she refuses to mm-hmm. do that. And so then Ronnie also pushes back. And the police officer they're talking to... Basically alludes to Neha being, like, a barking dog.
1: Yeah, because there's a tiny dog at the police station who maybe works there. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Maybe solves crime. It's like a little foo-foo dog. A little Pomeranian, yeah. (laughs) I would love to read a story about a Pomeranian that solves crime. Yeah. But I do think that narratively the only reason this dog is here is so the police officer can be like, you're, like, a barking dog. Exactly, yeah. But Ronnie doesn't like how this guy is treating Neha, so... He basically beats him up. Like, he does give him a warning. He's like, back off, bro. And the bro does not back off. So (laughs) I hate when the bros don't back off. (laughs) Me too. I, like, really do. (laughs) Yeah, that's not even a joke. (laughs) But, yes, so Ronnie beats up this guy in the middle of the police station, which, of course, like, brings out a whole bunch of other police officers that he also beats up. And as Ronnie is about to punch yet another guy's lights out Neha says his name and he stops mm-hmm. allowing the officers to restrain him And we've talked about this before but it's like I don't condone violence but if you are able to just like stop Yeah good good <laughs> <laughs> What was the other movie where that happened I I was trying to remember what it was or even who it was Yeah Anyway, I, was I don't like, remember It was some either. sort of dark-haired man. <laughs> that really narrows it down here on our Bollywood <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was like, but he had, like, big hands, I thought. Like, <laughs> 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 All right. I, it's lost. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, they then lock up Ronnie. And tie him up, kind of spread Eagle D. Yeah, and he's <laughs> supposed to naked, be naked. But you
1: do see his itty bitty underpants. Yeah, you can see that he's not, but I think that they wanted him to
0: like be like
1: the character is naked.
0: Yep. <laughs> and and then <laughs> they whack him with clubs and sticks. Yeah. In a scene that can only be for the audience's benefit.
1: Yeah, just to watch his muscles ripple. Because, yeah, like, he's too muscular to feel pain was really my main (laughs) takeaway of
0: Ronnie in this moment. That was more of a takeaway than I got, which is just, like, (laughs) confusion. Like, like, I I don't know. (laughs) It's like, yeah, he's super jacked. It's very impressive.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like I need this much attention drawn to it. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway... Look at great tiger. I just think that scene. I think I laughed a little bit, not because I was laughing at his body, but laughing at the overt sexualization the, of it. Yeah, I guess. just
1: the ridiculousness of the way that it's shot. And yeah. yeah,
0: as the police are having their fun with this mostly naked man, they realize <laughs> <laughs> state and facts. Yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Show me the lie. <laughs> they realize that Ronnie is a soldier, mm-hmm. and. The head officer guy, Shurgle, has Ronnie brought to him to figure out what his deal is Mm -hmm. and why he's beating up cops. Yeah. And it turns out that he's friends with Ronnie's colonel, who calls and is like, Ronnie, you done bad. You need to come back to the base tomorrow morning instead of having the week off that we gave you. And so Ronnie's like, all right. But he does see an ad for the school that Neha told him she was attacked outside of. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, you know what? Instead of leaving, I'm going to investigate more. Yeah. And so he goes to the school and meets with the headmistress, but she says that they don't have a student by Rhea's name, and she doesn't recognize Rhea by her photo. So that's a dead end. But then Ronnie sees a gated property across the street from the school and asks the owner if he can see the security footage from their CCTV, uh, but they say no. And so defeated for now, Ronnie goes back to Neha's house and tells her, like, hey, the school didn't recognize Rhea. What's that about? And Neha says that it's because the headmistress is trying to keep her name clear from the case. Mm -hmm. And he's like, great, okay, can I talk to Shekhar?" And she's like, well, I don't want him to know you're involved, so no. (laughs) And finally, Ronnie asks if he can at least get more pictures of Rhea, only for Neha to say that she doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. So Neha then looks out the window and sees a man arriving who immediately terrifies her. Mm-hmm. Sunny, Shekhar's brother. So she forces Ronnie out of the apartment before Sunny arrives at the door, and we learn that Sunny is kind of unhinged yeah. and 100% a creep
1: yeah and probably also has brain damage because of all the drugs that he's doing. yeah, like his nose starts bleeding. I don't know i don't yeah. I just don't think
0: that that's a good sign, <laughs> right. like I don't have a ton of experience in that arena, but I agree like if every time you snort something, blood comes out, maybe you should stop. <laughs> maybe you should stop or see a doctor. I don't know that's just no judgment,
1: but yeah, you might you might yeah. need a little bit of help,
0: <laughs> yeah. Luckily, Ronnie saw Sonny going up to the apartment and immediately picked up on his bad vibes. So he comes like back up the stairs to kind of keep an eye on things. And Sunny ends up leaving, and then Ronnie gets his name and address from Neha because he's like, "I'm here to solve your problems, not add to them." Mm-hmm. Although in a way, he kind of adds to them. He does. <laughs> it's cool. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and right after this, Ronnie happens to get recognized by his friend who's getting married right now in the same building. What a day. That's convenient. Yeah. And we get a flashback to a previous wedding slash party that Ronnie and Neha had gone to. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get Mundian. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but it is my second favorite. Like, I think that they're our thing is to enjoy. I think it's a it's a solid
1: number, yeah.
0: Like Neha's skirt is amazing.
1: I love her skirt. I love the two slits so you could like yeah. every every which way her legs are going you see her
0: legs like it, it she looked great. Yeah, and the fringe top was really good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I really liked Tiger does like a pirouette on his knees
0: at one point. Yeah. That's very impressive. And and we've talked before. We always love a boys versus girls, mm-hmm. yeah, situation. That's always fun. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, the song ends when Neha's dad shows up and Ronnie tells him that he loves her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then her dad slaps him, and Ronnie looks to Neha to say something but she remains silent and lets her dad pull her away.
1: Yeah.
0: Oof, that's hard. That's
1: hard for her, too. It's like, you know, yeah. how do you make that
0: choice? It kind of reminds me of, like, Rocky or Ronnie, mm-hmm. you know, a little sure, bit in that yeah. moment. Yeah. But then Neha shows up at Ronnie's house with her mom's wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And she's like, let's do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they prepare to elope, and it's super joyful and fun, and their friends are all around them when Neha gets a phone call from her dad at the hospital. Yeah. And as she goes in to meet with him, she keeps Ronnie on the phone so that he can hear the whole time, like, what's happening. And when she goes to her dad, he tells her that he has stage 4 cancer. hmm And then he notices what she's wearing. And that's when Neha hangs up on Ronnie, and we flash back to the present. Yep, At his friend's wedding, Ronnie accidentally knocks into a guest, And this guest drops his wallet. And so Ronnie steals this guy's ID, which at the time I didn't catch, like, why he did this, but this guy is a Lucknow police officer. Yeah. So this is police ID. He steals it and then doctors it to show his face. Ronnie uses this fake ID to access the security footage of the house across the street from the school. Mm -hmm. And he discovers that three hours of footage is missing. The exact three hours when Neha was attacked. Again, a quinky dink. Yep. And when he asks the security guard about it, the guard tells him that the police did come to look at the footage when they were investigating the attack. And Ronnie is like, okay, show me the day before. And he discovers that Sunny was there Mm -hmm. um, the day before the attack. Ronnie then pays off the guard to get him the missing footage. And he's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I'll have it in the next day or two. Then, in the next <laughs> scene, we meet the police station's new ACP. I don't know what any of these acronyms mean. No. I guess he's kind of like what we would consider a detective. Sure, yeah. Like, around that that level, like, yeah, you have authority, like, but you're not...
1: Yeah, he's top. not like the chief, but he's yeah. like he's above
0: all the people in uniform. Yes, he is above all the people in uniform, because this guy is dressed like a tourist in goa i don't know how else to explain it um <laughs> he has is wearing like a ton of necklaces and his beard is braided yeah which is great <laughs> um he's wearing really flowy pants and this is lsd it is lsd it's great it's a tough I, look to pull off but he does it <laughs> look i was very intrigued from the get-go yeah <laughs> And I don't know, like, that's, it's not like that's my type. It's right. <laughs> but it's the, again, it's
1: the energy, you know, because it's not like he's sitting there pretending like he actually is a hippie. He's sitting there, like, with his energy, yeah. but wearing this, like, very kind of
0: laid-back, chill yeah. outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And he good, good cheekbones. He does so. have good cheekbones. Yeah, that'll yeah, do it. Basically, he's been undercover. He says he's been undercover with drug addicts so long that he's kind of started dressing like them and also kind of doing drugs
1: like them <laughs> and he's like
0: yeah sometimes i smoke a joint it's fine <laughs> and we also meet lsd's right hand man bosco who we never actually see fully on yeah. screen it's like we only ever see his belly if we see him at all or like his arm right this is a—it's a fascinating comedic choice. Yeah, I was <laughs> that like love, I do enjoy. <laughs> Love this narrative choice. It's like unnecessary and kind of weird, but so delightful. It is. And LSD meets with Shergill, who gives him some advice on keeping his image clear, so that he can basically do whatever he wants as a police officer. Hm. And then LSD cryptically says something about Shergill getting his. Mm-hmm. And Shergill's like, "What?" And LSD is like, "Ha ha ha, nothing." It's hard to know exactly what LSD is thinking
1: in any given moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like from it's a, a little get-go, all over the place. <laughs> from the get go, you're like, I hope he's on the good guy side. Right. Yeah, because he's that that
1: kind of like frenetic, unpredictable. That if you were a villain, it would be like you you're capable of anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also like the whole like, what I'm not good at what I do. You can trust me. I'm not going to figure anything out, but actually, I'm a mastermind. Thinking yeah. all the time. Mm hmm. Not hair. Um, <laughs> um, there's just one more thing I wanted to mention about the hair because at, at a later point, he is wearing just a scrunchie in his hair. Uh-huh. I loved it so much. Sure. Right. Um, <laughs> then we switch scenes and see Sonny just out on a street, and Ronnie is there too. He is still able to follow Sonny. And they arrive at like a literal fortress, and Ronnie does some spying from like the top of the wall of this fortress, and he actually sees Usman, the guy who owns the garage, passing along drugs to some of Sonny's goons in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. Oh! And as Ronnie goes to move closer, he gets approached by other goons, including one of the best English-speaking actors I've ever seen. <laughs> he's this russian guy and his delivery is so bad it really is yeah but ronnie beats both these guys up and asks them about ria but they're like we don't know what you're talking about
1: is this the part where one of them he says something about like the little girl and one of them says something like i'll show you the big girl
0: yeah (laughs) because it's also I feel like not only is the delivery bad but the dialogue is just always bad yeah
1: (laughs) it's just it's the bad acting it's the bad acting that makes it so hard to watch and I think all the time about how much I would love to move to India and be the one good white actor yeah (laughs) in Bollywood
0: I get that oh man Ronnie goes back to Usman at the garage and asks him who the Russians are. And Usman says, hey, this is Goa. Like, even I play a small part in the booming drug business. Mm -hmm. But then Usman asks Ronnie why he's doing this and getting into this trouble. And Ronnie's like, oh, Rhea, do you know Rhea? And Usman is like, no, I don't recognize this kid. Mm -hmm. So Ronnie then makes a choice and runs a giant missing ad with Rhea's picture in the local newspaper. Yeah. And then Neha calls him, uh, and she's like, Shekar's returning today. That's her husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to tell him. He's not going to be happy about this ad. Yeah. And Ronnie basically tells her to chill out. And he fields several calls from people looking for the reward he's offering, but they don't actually have any information, Until finally he gets a call from a guy who says he just wants to get his daughter back. Mm -hmm. So Ronnie meets up with this guy who says that his daughter was kidnapped a while back and the police were unable to find her. And he has giant photo albums with tons of photos of her. And he even has a birth certificate. And Ronnie's like, okay, he's kind of being suspicious of this guy as he should be, but this guy has an answer for all of his questions. Yep. And as Ronnie's trying to figure out, like, okay, is this guy telling the truth? He gets a call from Shikhar, who tells him to come to his office to meet. And when Ronnie meets with Shikhar, again, he uses his fake ID of the Lucknow police officer.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: he tells Ronnie that he was shocked to see the ad in the paper because he and Neha don't have a daughter. Yep. What? Yeah. I also would love to go back, like, be able to rewatch this movie or watch it for the first time again,
1: you know? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. A, a good twist like this is always – it's always mm-hmm. good to encounter. And then, I mean, this movie, it's twists on twists on
0: twists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They love the drama. Shekhar says that Neha was the victim of a robbery, and when she became conscious after her coma, she started talking about a daughter who didn't exist. And then she saw a picture of a girl in the paper who had gone missing – and she told Shekhar that that was their daughter. Mm-hmm. So Ronnie's really shocked. He's just like, I can't believe Neha's imagining everything. And he thinks back to how jumpy she was. And it all fits. So he, apologi- he apologizes to Shekhar and goes to leave. As Shekhar tells him not to do anything like this again. Because he's already dealing with a lot. But then Ronnie gets a call from the guard who finally has the missing CCTV footage. So, Ronnie goes, he watches the video of the attack, and he does not see a child. Mm -hmm. And he is furious. So, he drives to Neha's house, and she's like, I didn't tell you that everyone thinks I'm crazy because I was worried you would then believe that. Yeah. Which, fair. Like, yeah.
1: And also, like, This isn't how you would approach somebody who is experiencing delusions. Yeah, no. Like, you don't approach them with anger and, like, you're lying to me. It's like, let's have a little bit more kindness to your friend Neha, maybe. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I guess the angry young man is gonna be angry. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always the most effective way to be. No. It's the only emotion
1: that men are allowed to feel is anger, so.
0: Yeah. 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 And... Yeah, he repeats everything Shekhar told him, that she had a miscarriage and never had a live child, and that she always wanted her mother to be reincarnated as her child, and Mm -hmm. her mother's name was Rhea. This is too much for Neha, and so she tells him to leave. And so Ronnie goes to leave, first stopping to pick up his card keys, which he had thrown out of anger, I don't know, like across the room when he arrived. And that's when he sees height marks carved into the wall, marking Mm -hmm. Rhea's height at different ages. And he stands up because he's like, oh my god, I was wrong. And as he starts to call for Neha, we see her step up onto the balcony and step off, falling to her death.
1: Yeah, real dark. Yeah, yeah. In my head I had remembered this being a much more subtle thing that you would like look at and sort of be like, "Oh, oh my gosh, that's what that right. means." No, they're just there on the wall and I'm yeah. like, "Why would not why would Shekar not have like covered those yeah. up? And why would Neha not every time someone was like, "You don't have a daughter." and gone and been like, like "What are these then?" <laughs> That
0: is such a good point.
1: I think it would have made so much more sense if it was just like a tiny little thing on the wall Uh that Ronnie then went and like chipped away some paint and saw that there was more (laughs) of it. And then like, yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, no, they're not
0: being subtle.
1: It's They're really not. No, no room for that here in Boggy.
0: (laughs) No, but unfortunately, Neha is dead. Yeah, But after intermission, Neha's apartment is now a crime scene. And LSD rolls up. Because I don't know how else you would explain how he enters a room. Yeah, he
1: does roll up. He rolls up. <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> he like literally smokes a joint in this scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's sassy, <laughs> he's confident, and he's determined to get the truth.
1: Also, this man's wife did just die. <laughs> yeah. Could have been a little, little more chill, but that's okay. That's but not his way.
0: <laughs> I think he just is really good at reading people. And so he, he knows. was like, I yeah. know. He can tell. Yeah, yeah LSD asks if Shekhar pushed Neha and he interrogates him, noting whenever Shekhar says a lie because mm-hmm. he's already, like, fact-checked check, fact a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. LSD and Bosco then roll out and LSD tells his police companions that Shekhar is a born liar, but he didn't kill Neha. Yeah. And that's true. That's, that, that is, is true. true. That's all accurate. But yeah, we get another delightful scene between LSD and Bosco, where Bosco cries. Love him. <laughs> delightful. Um, <laughs> and LSD learns that Ronnie was the last person Neha called. So LSD is like, okay, we're going to go visit him. Luzman is able to confirm for Ronnie that Neha wasn't making things up. And he tells Ronnie about going to visit Sunny about drug stuff. And at that visit, he saw Rhea being carried from the car, like, into the fortress. Yeah. Ronnie is understandably understandably upset by this, and he decides to confront Sunny in the hopes that Rhea is still alive. And so as Ronnie and Usman leave the hotel, they see the Lucknow police officer hanging in his room. Yeah. Dead. Yeah, and Ronnie immediately is like, "Oh my God, I've been using his name. I'm the reason he's dead. He's responsible for a lot
1: of people's deaths in this movie, and like directly and indirectly, like (laughs) because of just the way that he chooses to do things, a lot of people die. (laughs) It's very
0: true, and like they kind of set the scene from like or set that character trait from the get go, where it's like he's just kind of rash. Like, yeah, he." kicks first asks questions later
1: right and not in a way that necessarily has a good outcome
0: <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> coincidentally ronnie and uzman get into the same elevator as the goons who did the killing yep and simultaneously the goons find out that they killed the wrong guy and ronnie gets a call from lsd telling him to stay at the hotel so they could meet Mm-hmm. But Ronnie just, like, completely disregards that, and he leaves the lobby as LSD rolls in. Yep. But then we get another dance number. We do. teen.
1: This is a great number. I love this one. This it's is my favorite.
0: very fun. Yeah. I was like, talk about abs and biceps.
1: I know. The- Jacqueline Fernandez is, like, ripped in this. Yeah. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, like, she is, like, really, really into fitness, which would make sense just looking at her. She she looks like she would be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So strong and so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I loved it. Yeah.
1: I think she has such a great, like, flirtatious energy. Like, she's got that kind of charm that I think Mm -hmm. works really well in a number like this. Yeah. And I like all the moments where there's just, like, a cutout of her that they, like, lift yes. up and then she's behind it in the same pose.
0: <laughs> yes, I mentioned that as well because they do it several times and every time it's delightful.
1: It is delightful. She yeah. also,
0: her skirt with, like, the bejeweled bra, Uh huh. it's all really good.
1: Like, all her skirts are kind of fringy, which yeah. is fun. And I also like the part where Tiger dazedly like walks through the room and like he doesn't yeah. he, it's like he doesn't know that there's a dance number happening and he just kind of like wanders in looks right. in a different direction and then like wanders off camera
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's great it was fun because also yeah it's like he wasn't the point right which was good yeah. I did also make a note that her name is Mohini yes it is and i was like okay we always
1: <laughs> love a number that starts with a bunch of men shouting
0: Mohini, because Mohini. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only name for dancers <laughs> and there are probably like 100 to 200 guys in this entire fortress but luckily ronnie only has to fight a few of them in order to reach sunny but then sunny takes off and he goes running into goa yeah and ronnie chases after him doing some light parkour they're, like, running down a road, and a car ends up flipping over for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, and then, why not? Yeah, and then, like, Sunny climbs up onto a bus using, like, the ladder on the side, but then Ronnie yeah. gets onto the bus using just his legs <laughs> by jumping from, like, a car to a... Like, I don't yeah. even know. And then they jump off immediately, and then the bus crashes. I, there is still <laughs> a driver in the bus. I... I love it, guys. I love yeah. everything about it, but it is bonkers. Yeah. They run a little while longer before LSD and a bunch of other cops catch them and apprehend mm-hmm. them. And on the way to the station, Ronnie is just yelling at LSD for wasting time because it could mean Rhea's death. Yeah. LSD ends up, he puts Ronnie behind bars, but then Ronnie's kind of, like, saying stuff, and so LSD is like, I'll fight you, I'll prove that I can fight you. And he actually... Yeah does? Yeah, holds his own. Yeah, for sure. But then they're interrupted by Shergill, and Ronnie then kind of announces to the room that Sunny orchestrated the kidnapping, and so LSD and Shergill agree to bring in Sunny. But first they interrogate Usman, who corroborates Ronnie's story and agrees to testify in court against Sunny. So they bring in Sunny, and LSD wants to question him, but instead Shergill's like, I'm gonna do this. And he goes in and asks Sonny where Ria is, and Sonny just says he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's a really ineffective ter- interrogation. So, LSD—he's not rolling into this room; he's charging into this room. Yeah, and he like pulls a gun on Sonny and is like, "I'm gonna kill you! Like, you need to tell me <laughs> what we need to know." But then Sonny has a gun too. Yeah. The situation escalates until Shergill ends up shooting Sunny dead. Yep. So Ronnie still doesn't know where Rhea is.
1: hmm
0: Ronnie begs Shergill to question Shekhar because with Sunny dead, Shekhar must be the only one who knows the truth. Mm-hmm. But Shergill encourages Ronnie to sit tight. He's like, give me 12 hours so I can figure out who in my department is working with the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. While this conversation is happening, some goons show up at the garage to beat up slash kill Uzman. Um, yeah, I I thought it was just to beat him up, but it ends in death. So it does end in death. Yeah, I don't know what. Like, did they stab him?
1: Uh, yeah, I, fr- I didn't him? see it. I don't, know. I don't like, he just, know. It looks like he just gets beat up and then he dies, which I guess yeah. can
0: happen. So yeah, Ronnie shows up after leaving Shergill and gets roped into this fight with these two guys. I did want to mention there's a moment in this fight where all three guys do a spin kick in the air at the same time. I noted that too. That's
1: a fun one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And Ronnie wins the kickoff. Yeah. (laughs) He does. (laughs) He comes out on top. Yeah, he does. And then there's also a moment where he kind of crushes a guy with a barrel against Mm -hmm. a car. You got to use the props. And they do. Things, they're all about that in Baki. Yep. But so Ronnie wins this fight and runs over to Uzman, but Uzman dies in his arms. Um, R.I.P. <laughs> R- Usman. Um, who I feel like also died because of Ronnie in a way. He did, yeah. <laughs> Add him to the list. Uh-huh. And that's when one of the unconscious goons phone beeps with a text message. And Ronnie goes and checks it and sees that it was a message from Shergill, mm-hmm. sending the goon a picture of Ronnie and saying, kill him. Oh boy. She's in on it. <laughs> what? I actually do remember watching this the first time. I think I was surprised.
1: I definitely did not trust Shergill. But I have seen this movie before, so I don't remember how I felt when I first watched it. (laughs) Right, I can't remember either,
0: but I think in my head I was like, well, I can only trust either him or LSD, and I'm definitely trusting LSD. Right. Which, if you take any of these sound bites out of context...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. All of the LSD commentary could really be... Yeah, really show a different
0: side of us. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, But Ronnie asks the goon where Shurgle is, and we get this whole whole description of his compound similar mm-hmm. to the description we got in boggy one oh, yeah. where this compound is in the middle of the jungle and it has its own private army yeah it does <laughs> and i love that like a video game it shows you it's like this is going to be the overview of all the arenas he'll be fighting in and it's yep. like, okay <laughs> i'm excited shergo is standing in his house at this compound casually smoking a cigar and stroking what appears to be a mini Trojan horse, <laughs> um, which is weird. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> a vibe um, when he is notified that Ronnie has arrived and he's like, okay, no reason for every soldier to die. Let him come. But his guys don't get the memo and they just keep attacking Ronnie So there's just more and more fighting. It's just it's so many guys, and so many of them have guns. (laughs) Yeah, and they're and they're shooting them too. (laughs) They are badly apparently. (laughs) Everyone's really bad shot. You know, yeah. God. In the next scene, a helicopter arrives at some sort of police base camp. I'm like, when was all of this set up? Has this been here the whole time? Where are Uh we? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. But anyways, some so this helicopter is bringing some of the army head honchos including ronnie's colonel and they meet with lsd who tells them that ronnie is as good as dead if they find him first they Mm -hmm. meaning the cops and the army guys are like we're not here to save him from you we're here to save you from him yeah. Because, like, the jungle is his home, and he's, like, a one-man army.
1: You know, we get, like, no real backstory about <laughs> Ronnie and his no. capabilities. It's just, like, in the the four years between being, like, a sweet college boy and being, like, a disaster army boy, like, yeah. what happened to poor Ronnie? I don't Ronnie? know.
0: I guess he it's, lived in the jungle.
1: I- it's just all heartbreak has turned <laughs> yeah. him into this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's maybe an overreaction. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, but as they have this exchange, Ronnie sets fire to the compound's weapon warehouse. And then he goes running into the middle of this camp, firing two machine guns simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up fighting a lot of guys with machetes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like, just shoot him from afar. Just shoot yeah. him from... Like, why? Oh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but inevitably two machetes get caught in his shirt Yeah, and tear it off in slow motion.
1: It happens every time, every day, you know. It it's happens- just always guys with machetes to tear your shirt off.
0: <laughs> it's so good. I was like, as this is happening too, like the music swells. It's like, ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba. <laughs> and I was like, this is just utterly delightful. This is what yeah. I want yeah from this my is, like action cinema
1: yeah this is what we came for
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so then after he kills the entire camp a helicopter arrives yep and i was like scratch that make it two there's two helicopters on the scene <laughs> and then he runs back to take a running start this whole time he's doing this these guys in this helicopter are just staring at him Yeah. Which is a mistake. They should be shooting him with the automatic. Too many people (laughs) underestimate Ronnie in this movie. And, like, he's (laughs) killed everyone in camp. He is a killing point. machine. That's
1: why they he... sent the helicopter in. <laughs> and he just does not care. <laughs> Ugh,
0: whatever. The the guy in the helicopter is too slow with the automatic machine gun and too bad at aiming because all that Ronnie does is zigzag. Yeah. <laughs> so just hit the middle. <laughs> Done. <laughs> So Ronnie doesn't get hit. He leaps into the helicopter and beats up all of the guys inside. He then uses the automatic machine gun in that helicopter to take down the other helicopter, which explodes. Mm -hmm. And then Ronnie kills the pilot of his helicopter and slips into the cockpit because obviously he knows how to fly a helicopter. Of course he does. He then shoots up more of the compound, using the helicopter's guns, until the helicopter is sh- shot down, and then he escapes from the fiery wreckage just in time to avoid blowing up.
1: Mm-hmm. I really, oh. Is it here that we get the aerial shot of just all the carnage? There's I just think like, so. Like hundreds of dead bodies.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good and ridiculous. <laughs> and finally, Ronnie has reached the main house. Thank God goodness yep and then there's a scene where ronnie breaks four or five guys legs at once in a circle yeah this we gotta we gotta look out for this move yeah Mm -hmm. but then ronnie is shot Mm -hmm. and it's because shergill is standing behind him i do think there are better places to shoot him if you wanted him to not be a problem anymore but i i was gonna say like he wants to tell him his
1: whole story but even then it's like yeah, you could shoot, shoot him, him in a way that like actually debilitates him.
0: Yeah, and then tell well, like, him just your story. shoot him in the middle of the belly, like yeah, not the within, side, like yeah. hit some organs. So a lot of important stuff in the middle, not so much on the side.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it's just, just where the muscle. meat is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shriggle then reveals that he shot his own brother, which is a fun unnecessary tidbit of information. Yeah, but he also reveals that Ria is alive. And he tells Ronnie that he was tired of working for the police force and he wanted to make money and he had that opportunity with Rhea. And then he goes on his whole villain explanation where he explains that he'd been working with Sunny on drug dealing when he heard Rhea crying at the fortress. Shergill saved Rhea from almost getting shot by a goon and then brings Sunny to Sheikar. Sheikar tells shurgle that ria was kidnapped on his orders and then shurgle is like okay cool i'm gonna keep ria i'm gonna keep her alive and you're Mm -hmm. gonna help me ship my drugs because shakar has a shipping company and the whole thing is that shakar wanted ria to be dead so really in keeping her alive it's causing issues for shakar blah 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 yeah um (laughs) Shekhar wants Rhea dead because he hated Neha and wanted to drive her crazy, so he destroyed every memory of Rhea. He then told everyone in town not to mention her because it would help Neha move on if no one talked about her. Which is so wild. Like,
1: I wish they had just said that he had everybody on the take. Like,
0: yeah, the yeah. idea
1: that, like, he actually would have successfully convinced anyone just to lie to her is
0: just Literally crazy. every single person.
1: Yeah. And, like, enough people they showed him actually paying off, it's like, just have him pay off everybody. Uh, Yeah. That's fine.
0: (laughs) But whatever. And then we find out that Shurgle helped Shakar cover everything up, including killing Sunny. That was not Mm -hmm. an accident. Mm -hmm. Hearing all this, Ronnie says Shurgle did everything right, except that he chose the wrong child. And he gets up, and they fight again. But the fight ends when Shurgle pulls a gun on Ronnie. But before he can shoot, Shergill is shot himself. Yes, he is. By LSD. Yeah, the hero. What a badass. This guy. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> he also is wearing a bandana, like, a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Yeah. It's great. I he's a cool it. guy. And then Ronnie flips because Shergill died without telling him where Rhea is. And then he passes out, presumably from exhaustion and or blood loss. Who knows? <laughs> but as he's fading to black... He sees Rhea find her way down the stairs. Yeah. Just which, to all the dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, someone needs to snatch up that child, like, pretty yep. fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we see, like, later on, at a later point in time, LSD confronts Shakar, who tells him that he recently learned he is sterile, which means that Rhea cannot be his biological child. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of explains what kicked off. This whole, I have to kill Rhea and whatever. Yeah. LSD shares this with Ronnie and says that that's why Neha wanted only Ronnie's help. Because yeah. Re- Rhea is Ronnie's daughter. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> what? And then Ronnie goes to meet Rhea for the first time. And he holds out his finger for her to hold. And she takes it. And they walk out of the hospital. It's really cute. And yeah. then the final scene is Ronnie doing Rhea's hair. With the spirit of Neha looking on.
1: Yeah. It's beautiful. The end. I feel that Ronnie is a little unstable as a person. Um, to and be he her also, father. Yeah. Yeah. And he also doesn't seem to have, like, any family of his own, which is okay. Like, people can still be parents um, in that. But he doesn't have anyone to help. Yeah. I think... Ronnie might need some help raising Rhea, is basically my point.
0: Um. I agree with that. And, you know, I don't know that it's the best approach. When they first meet, Rhea is like, Where's mama? Oh, yeah. And Ronnie's like, Yeah, let's go to her. Which, I like, he <laughs> said that and I was like, Is he going to kill her? <laughs> like, what the, does that mean? <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, This child, like, death is going to be confusing enough for her hmm let's not confuse her more like talk about trauma like <laughs> yeah she almost got shot like she knew yeah that she almost got shot because also this guy got shot like in her vicinity it's a whole thing like it is a whole thing yeah wow poor ria yeah <laughs> anyway anyway yeah <laughs> it's all happy
1: <laughs> it's such a, such a joyful movie and you know it's it's a fun watch but yeah it is
0: it's it's dark it is but yeah, but it's good. It it does what it sets out to achieve. I it does do really like it. I stand by yeah. it being my favorite boggy. Yeah. Partially because of Randy not I think that's very that.
1: fair. Yeah. He gives a good performance in this. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll have to wait until I've rewatched the third one to decide which of the boggies is my favorite boggy. But I do think two is so far in first place for me.
0: I think two has like the best story. I agree, yeah. And not what you expect, because like boggy one is very straightforward. Right, yeah, and this, you know, there's twists, there's mm-hmm. more
1: suspense, and
0: yeah, cool, yeah. What did you research for this week? Well, oh. I
1: I decided to research, you know, because we we've talked about Goa before. Ooh. You you did a great segment of sort of Goan history in our Ladies versus Ricky Bell episode, but one thing that I was still wondering about about Goa was just the whole hippie thing. Oh, yeah. Like, what was going on there? Just what's the deal with that, with all the hippies? So that's what I researched. I researched hippies in Goa.
0: I just picture you, like, opening your laptop and being like, what's the deal with all the hippies in Goa? Yeah. I really, yeah, pulled a Jerry Seinfeld there. But,
1: you know, as a reminder from your research, I I like actually went back and re-listened to mm. that part of Ricky Bell so I could remind myself what you had covered. Goa was a Portuguese colony for 450 years and was forcibly annexed into India in 1961. Mm -hmm. I say forcibly with respect to both sides of that conflict, but primarily with an understanding that the indigenous population of Goa, as well as the broader population of India, all supported annexation, even at the cost of violence. And it was the Portuguese and their descendants in Goa who were opposed to annexation. And obviously, Goa has a rich history before the Portuguese arrived. Yes. But for our purposes and talking about white hippies. people, yeah. <laughs> I just think that's important context to have. So Goa became an Indian state in 1987. Prior to that, though, in the 70s is when Goa became a popular destination for hippies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in case anyone needs a definition of what a hippie is... In this context, I'm referring to predom- a predominantly white group of Americans and British people. This group came into being in the early 60s, and they were a counterculture that rejected materialism and established institutions. They preached nonviolence. They were opposed to the Vietnam War. That was like really the yeah. catalyst to this movement growing. They encouraged artistic and sexual liberation, mm-hmm. and they tended to do a lot of psychedelic drugs. Yeah, they did. That's hippies. Important to note that not all hippies were white or American or British. And also, the ideals behind this movement and the lifestyle choices that they're making are nothing new. Asceticism and the use of psychedelic drugs have been components of many religions and cultures going back centuries. More on that Mm. later. Hippies found Goa to be a pristine and underdeveloped environment for them to live freely rejecting the societal ties and norms and embracing a connection to the natural world mm. and so it just it really did just become this place that these american and british hippies just went to to chill to do their thing yeah, they'd throw trance parties where they'd basically just be, like, out at all hours of the night dancing to music and doing drugs. All right. They had I mean, full we moon saw parties.
0: That. We kind of saw that I'm along.
1: Absolutely, yes. This, this continues. Mm-hmm. And during the day, they'd just be, like, chilling on the beach. They even tried to start a nudist beach. Oh. But it sounds like it sounds like the more conservative local population put a stop <laughs> Sh- to that. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Their presence and lifestyle led to the developments of markets in Goa. And these markets came about because the hippies would basically come to Goa. They would live off of whatever money they had brought with them. And then they would sell everything they had, their clothes, backpacks, jewelry, whatever they had to stay a little bit longer or to travel back to wherever they came from. Right. And so that's what that these flea markets came about because of these hippies selling all of their possessions to make money to go back home and these markets continue to exist in Goa and the Anjana market is still a popular attraction and happens on Wednesdays so that's good. It's cool. Yeah, and it sounds like the locals were pretty accommodating of the hippies. The beaches were remote and not seeing much use, and local families would rent out spare rooms, and they also appreciated these markets and this opportunity to buy high-quality goods for cheap, because these people were pretty desperate in selling what they had. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a fairly reciprocal relationship between the hippies and the locals, But then in the 80s, Goa became aware of their own potential as a tourist destination. And so they built hotels and more infrastructure to encourage tourism, which then made the areas where the hippies hung out more expensive and harder for them to just live the lifestyle that they wanted to live. And so most of them left. And so... You don't really see hippies in the same way today that you used to back in the day.
0: Or, like, a true hippie.
1: Yeah, people who belonged to that movement, because that movement has also kind of, you know, people have sort of aged with that movement, but, like, there aren't a lot of new people kind of buying into that in the same way.
0: (laughs) I, I feel like there are a decent number of young people with cash to burn who kind of choose to live that, like, aesthetic yeah they're not actually hip you know yeah that lifestyle
1: of partying and doing drugs and rejecting materialism was still pervasive and is still Mm -hmm. one of the things that draws tourists to goa because that just that lifestyle kind of you know seeped into some of the culture and this has led to what many goans feel is a misconception about their state Um, An article by Sanket Sharma details how the author is always frustrated when people react to finding out that they are from Goa by saying, like, oh, you're from, like, the party town, right? The party state. And that's certainly how we've seen Goa depicted in most of, if not all of the movies we've seen that happen in Goa or even just mention Goa. It's always, like... Oh, you're going to Goa.
0: Oh, something bad's going to happen. And I guess that's true. We have our own little, like, joke, like, anything goes in Goa.
1: (laughs) Right. Admittedly, you and I have bought into and perpetuated (laughs) that stereotype.
0: Yeah, that is true. Um, Yeah.
1: But Sharma emphasizes that there's a lot more to Goa. It's a rich culture that has nothing to do with hippies. And notes how the quote-unquote Portuguese architecture is often more of a hybrid, showing Mm. the ways in which the Portuguese and the indigenous people of Goa really influenced each other. So, you know, again, this this idea that it wasn't anything that the white people brought that makes Goa an interesting place to go. And in all of those situations, the locals were very much there. The indigenous people were very much present and having an influence over what was happening. Mm -hmm. So... I think, you know, we're still going to see movies where Goa is depicted in this way and always in the back of our minds we'll remember that there's a lot more to Goa than just what we see of, you know, the parties and the drugs and all that stuff. Yeah,
0: I like that, though. I Both of us really want to go there and... Not for any of those reasons. No, neither of us has
1: any interest in doing drugs in Goa. (laughs) No,
0: not at all. Or even drinking to excess. Like, I'm too old for that. Like, no. Yeah,
1: we just want to go and look around and... and, The beauty And and this article that I was reading mentioned a lot of kind of off-the-beaten-path attractions that you Mm. can go to and just a lot of natural beauty that exists there. Take notes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so uh, just to kind of round this out a little bit, I did want to talk about hippies a little more generally and the ways in which that movement engaged in cultural appropriation. Mm. Like I said, mm-hmm. that, you know, this is a predominantly white group of middle class people who adopted, quote unquote, Eastern practices which is often the way that you hear this referred to within this this counterculture and i put that term into quotes because one the whole like east west thing is super weird like those are directions and i feel a lot less weird using the term west as a generalizing term than i do about
0: east same yeah i think it's because when we refer to western cultures i am generally referring to american and specifically like white american like like descendants of white europeans right is what i'm referring to same by western culture and that is kind of a monoculture situation
1: and sometimes also white europeans the descendants of and also them yes and also people who are
0: actively currently white europeans yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah whereas yeah you would never that monoculture doesn't exist the other way
1: Right. Yes. And which is why I think it's weird when people suggest that it does. I I agree. Eastern practices. Like, no, there's there's a lot going on. And also because they were taking inspiration from the indigenous people of North America. So, like, decidedly, Mm -hmm. like, not Mm -hmm. the East. The East. Whatever. The nebulous
0: East. Dare I say, like, they're actually the Americans. Like... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Except that we that named did, it America right. after some Italian guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. But so hippies adopted not just cultural and spiritual practices from indigenous people across the countries colonized by Europeans, but they also wore cultural markers of those groups as accessories. So yeah. things like having dreadlocks, wearing feathers, wearing beaded attire presenting themselves in ways that, at least in the U.S., BIPOC folks with whom those traditions and cultures originated have to fight to be able to adopt and just present themselves with, and they're the ones who that belongs to. So it's this idea of, you know, the privileged white people saying that those things need to be oppressed, and then a group of that those white people adopting that for themselves, and it's much safer for them to move through the world in those ways. Right. I wanted to quote from a blog post that I read from Nirvana bandare who is a Nepali woman who identified herself as a brown hippie. Mm. She writes of an experience volunteering in the home of a family of Bulgarian hippies. And okay. she's grappling in this this story um, with whether she sees this family as appropriating her own culture as a Nepali woman, mm. asking, does spending three months in Nepal give you permission to name your child Ram, to lead ohm circles, and stick photos of Hindu goddesses all around your house?
0: Yeah.
1: And she goes on to say, quote, white hippies have the luxury to take just the best aspects of my culture... Her Nepali culture and leave the dirty facets of being from one of the poorest countries in the world out of their consciousness. Being Nepali for me means a daily struggle against patriarchy, choking pollution, and garbage in Kathmandu, and against repressive traditions that criticize me harshly for being myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Again, it's this idea of this privileged group giving themselves permission to adopt the religious and cultural traditions that the very people who created those traditions may not be able to do whether that's because of persecution that they're facing oppression the cost that may preclude them from being able to engage in certain activities laws that have specifically prevented them from being able to do that or simply Mm -hmm. just judgment from the same privileged groups
0: yeah there's something about the white existence and the privilege that comes with that that just Mm -hmm. means if we see something we're like, oh. I like that so that's mine now yeah because that's how it's just like always been throughout history Mm -hmm. what is wrong with just being like oh I like that like I Mm want to learn more about it and how can I maybe quietly incorporate the elements of that that I like in my life without it being like this huge showboating thing right like you and we both really have developed this love for like Indian cinema, specifically Hindi language cinema, I'm happy to just be watching those films and talking about them. I don't need to like live a Bollywood. I don't know what I'm saying. Well, we're
1: careful not to claim that as our own, yeah, or to impose our own perspectives on it when it's something that we didn't live, you know, and. This is purely just based on my own experience with people like this, people Mm -hmm. who are kind of, who live that hippie lifestyle. They are the white people who I have found in my life to be the most likely to be "Quote unquote colorblind" to be yeah. like you know we're all in this together in this world and we all have our struggle but we can all overcome it and all yeah. it takes is just you know inner peace and all this stuff and it's like that's oh. just so privileged yeah you
0: have the privilege to <laughs> yeah <say that>. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so I think there's also for me there's that feeling of like you're not acknowledging the power that you hold in this situation and in mm-hmm. fact you. You want people to believe that you don't have power because you see power as being a bad thing rather than using the power you do have to try to actually do something good for these people.
0: Yeah. And then it kind of reminds me of like the civil rights movement and like everyone who was fighting for those rights that they still don't have. But, you know, everyone who was fighting in that movement really recognized that it's like, okay, the white people here have a power that like the black people don't so white people would like step in front of black people Mm -hmm. to avoid them getting beaten by police like right you don't have to just take and take and take and act like you're on your high horse i don't know
1: yeah don't try to pretend like you're one of the oppressed
0: yeah because you're not you're not you're not and it's kind of weird that you want to be yeah Anyway, so
1: that, you know, that was maybe a little bit off topic in terms I like of like, it though. yeah, in terms of the movie itself. But, you know, just thinking about Goa and thinking about hippies, I wanted to get into some of this stuff.
0: And it's funny because actually, now that you mention it, too, when I was originally like in my notes describing how LSD was dressed, mm-hmm. I almost wrote hippie
1: i think he even says that like i'm pretty sure yeah. he uses that word in but the movie. just because he says it doesn't mean no it's no no. Like... i definitely right, didn't right. mean that you could say that <laughs> no, I but know. i would just say that's maybe why you he thought does, of it like,
0: yeah well and then i was like okay i'm gonna say a tourist in goa but i also almost wrote a white tourist in goa mm-hmm. but then i was like i don't know enough about where this fashion came from right for me to say it originated with like white hippies
1: pretty much nothing originated with exactly white hippies. <laughs> so i'm
0: glad that like subconsciously i was just like i'm not that doesn't feel
1: right yeah i'm
0: not gonna I claim think,
1: this you know you were right to say he's dressed like this a stereotype of a person who is coming to goa for that mm-hmm. ascetic and psychedelic experience <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah so that's uh that's that's my research that was fun thank you i mean not
0: fun i mean always interesting to learn more sides to that yeah yeah
1: 100 percent. couldn't agree more okay um
0: pluggables follow Mm -hmm. us at two white girls talk bollywood on instagram and tiktok yeah do the stuff all the things (laughs) and also consider subscribing to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on um, you could even leave a rating or review yeah. if you want to, which would be wonderful if you did. Absolutely. Whether you do, whether you don't, thank you for listening.
1: And join us as well on YouTube and Spotify where we keep our Bollywood Bangers playlists uh, and we add our favorite songs from these movies to those playlists and link them in our episode descriptions as well as in our Instagram posts on Tuesdays. Yes. Yeah. Would wood next week we're switching things up yet again. Gosh, we're just like throwing curveballs left and right here. Yeah, we are. We are going to be watching over the course of the next two weeks actually, we are going to watch the series Guns and Gulabs. Yes! I am so excited. I am so excited that you are going to be watching this for the first time. I have seen it multiple times at this point I love it so much and yeah I'm looking forward to you experiencing it and getting to talk about it with you
0: me too I'm also just ready for more DQ you should so... be this is a completely different type
1: of character that he is playing great and he does it so well I you'll you'll see you'll enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to the
0: wonderful Dolkar Salman, we've got Rajkumar Rao, we've got Adarsh Gorov. Right. Yeah. I forgot and now I'm even more excited now having seen White Tiger, right. Yeah. Also
1: playing a very different kind of a character from White Tiger. <laughs> Great. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. So Great. we are gonna we're gonna watch the first four episodes for yes. next week. But we have a, we have a general plot description for the whole series for each of these, I'm assuming.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So an IMDB, the plot description is, in a sleepy town, a mechanic struggles to emerge from his dead gangster father's shadow in a mission to win over the love of his life. An honest officer ends up being a chaos agent whilst a reluctant cartel heir has an identity crisis. Oh my God. This just sounds
0: like everything (laughs) I love.
1: Like, seriously. Yeah. I would say all of that is super accurate and is a great way of putting all of those stories into one sentence.
0: <laughs> great. The Netflix synopsis doesn't exist. It just oh. is like hitting number one on the oh, Netflix yeah. top 10 in India. It, it is described as a gangster comedy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That sure. is s- smartly written, slickly crafted, and wonderfully acted.
1: I think it is all of those things, even though that tells you absolutely
0: nothing about the plot. If
1: you like slick acting, then you're going to love this. It doesn't. And
0: what I love is like, Kim, I haven't even watched a trailer. Like I haven't watched a trailer. So you reading the IMDB description was the first time (laughs) I was actually like, oh, okay. Oh, that's what what it's about. about. Yeah. (laughs) I knew it was something involving, you know, gangsters or something, but I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a good time. Wonderful. Yeah. Watch it. Enjoy. Mm hmm. And until next time, remember, Bollywood doesn't need us, Mm -mm. but we need Bollywood.
1: Yay! Especially LSD.
0: Especially (laughs) LSD. (laughs) No contacts needed. No! (laughs)